0: Hey guys, Jake here with a small note before you start the episode. You're about to listen to part one of a two-part Fantastic Four discussion. Dave and I had way more to say than we thought we would about those Fantastic Four movies, so we broke it up into two easy-to-digest episodes. So with that out of the way, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Capes, Cows, and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm Jake Hart, and I'm joined by... David Osgood. And on this discussion episode, we're going to be looking back at the Fantastic Four movies. It's been 15 years since the first one came out, so this should be an interesting talk to look back at uh, what went wrong, and oh boy, there was a lot that went wrong. Uh, and now that the rights are back at marvel studios what could the future of the fantastic four possibly be but before we get into that dave how you doing man are you here uh, is as excited as i am to talk about fantastic <laughs> Four?
1: <laughs> oh yes oh yes uh it's gonna be an interesting discussion definitely especially after you know we've given so much love to different franchises over the past few episodes but yeah this should this should be an interesting one most definitely it's uh one the that I love. A lot of nostalgia, but you know, a lot of troubles, I think we'll talk about as well. And before we continue, I just want to say obviously the day we're recording this, uh, David Prouse has sadly been announced as passing away. Uh so I just wanted to give our you know condolences uh to his family and just what, what a sad loss that is for you know the community of you know sci-fi lovers such as ourselves. You know, obviously he made a massive impact to Star Wars um and you know was you know half the reason that darth vader is so iconic so you know a a really great guy and i was really sad to to see the loss of him today and and that's another thing we've been enjoying lately isn't it is star wars through the mandalorian etc so yeah quite a very sad loss
0: yeah yeah condolences to his family um and everyone close to him because it's it's a it's a big loss you know although he did live a long and wonderful life
1: yeah definitely um, and uh,
0: not not that he's not that he's uh, from not that far away from here.
1: No, no, that's that's the good thing. I think um, when the Force Awakens came out, I think he actually like went to the Cardiff, Odeon for like the the premiere, um, likely because I think Lucasfilm had uh, banned him from any lu- you know Star Wars official yeah, affiliated sure uh, events. But uh, you know, yeah, still.
0: he he said some things. Yes, I, I I when I think of David Prowse as well, I always think back of. An interview he did in 1979. This was uh, before Empire Strikes Back came out, and um, and yeah, he's like, "Oh yeah, I think I'm like Luke Skywalker's father or something like that." Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just spo- spoiled the climax yeah, of the yeah. film. <laughs> uh, and I always think of that, and he was, "Oh yeah, I think I'm his dad or something like that." Yeah, exactly.
1: It's it's not on like James Earl Jones level of you know respect, but again, you know, like you just gotta uh, respect the the contribution he gave, isn't it? And, and you know, where would we be if we didn't see those, you know, bristolian eyes in in, uh, <laughs> in the in the, the the visor of uh, Darth Vader at the end of new new hope.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean, staying on sort of the the Disney family with Star Wars. If anyone's got Disney Plus, uh, there's a couple of things I want people to check out. Uh Firstly is uh, I've been talking to you Dave. I've been watching the new Marvel 616 show which is it's a fantastic piece of of Marvel content. Um I would argue you know it's up there with the Mandalorian and uh, uh with like some of the best Disney Plus original content they've done. It's so good. It's an anthology series, so it focuses each episode focuses on on a different area of Marvel and like follows maybe like a, a person or a group of people as they go through the process. Uh and you you learn so much about people's love for marvel or inspires them what motivates them to do different things you know you you we go into obviously the actual comics themselves people cosplaying uh fans of action figures and it's just wonderful it's so wonderful and uh, there's a couple of moments that teared me up and it's just i'm watching this and i'm like man this is why i love comics and so i, I highly recommend anyone to check that out because it, it's just so so good um, and if you want to keep getting more teary-eyed once you're done with that, go on to Disney Plus and uh, watch Black Panther. Uh, and you will notice with the um, Marvel opening fanfare uh, that they've actually changed it to be all Chadwick Boseman in tribute of our king, T'Challa. So uh, I thought that was an r- incredibly nice touch from Disney to do that on Black Panther.
1: Yes, yeah, ironic because... Uh our friend Niall, I was discussing before uh, recording the Monday Lorians. We were talking about how Disney or streaming services can easily change content to take it out because we were talking about the jeans guy. Jeans to, guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But obviously, this is a good example of, you know, where you're, you know, because Niall was saying that, you know, he, he didn't like it because he was like, just embrace the, you know, the mistake kind of thing. But yeah, this is an example of having something. Which you can put something great onto and edit it in that way, rather than sort of taking out a mistake, etc. So, yeah, I'm almost like envious now that my uh, my Black Panther 4K Blu-ray doesn't doesn't have like that that tribute at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lovely touch, lovely touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on that note, let's um let's stay in Marvel. Let's go into why we're here today, Dave. Mm. Um, for you know it's. The 15-year anniversary of the 2005 Fantastic Four film, and it's also been the five-year anniversary of the latest Fantastic Four film, or as most people refer to it as, fan 4
1: it's, it's the only way you can refer to that film. That's the it's, way they want the you only to, to know it. That's the, that that's <laughs> how they advertise it. I'm like, if that's what you want me to call it, that's what I'm going to call it.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm going to... Fan forced it. We'll, we're going to get into that in a bit. Uh, plenty to discuss. But yeah, so in my opinion, and I'm sure for most people, comic fans, movie fans alike, um, there has yet to be a good, proper Fantastic Four movie that does the team justice, you know? Fantastic Four are Marvel, they are considered Marvel's first family. They are the core of what launched Marvel as we know it today. Before Spider-Man, before Doctor Strange and the X-Men and the Avengers, before all of those characters, there was Fantastic Four. And they've become a staple of Marvel Comics, debuting in 1961. For people who don't know, uh, we got a core lineup of four characters Uh, characters come and go but these tend to be the four core and that is Reed Richards Mr. Fantastic Sue Storm the Invisible Woman her brother Johnny Storm the Human Torch and Ben Grimm also known as The Thing Uh, they are a family first and heroes second and I think this is an approach that makes them stand out uh, in the crowd amongst all the other superheroes in the Marvel Universe so uh, Dave What's your relationship and history with the Fantastic Four? Uh, before we get into the films themselves, what do you think of, like, the IP, the brand, the team, the characters? What's your history with them?
1: Um, like, I don't have a massive history with them in terms of, like, comic books or, you know, reading about them specifically. So even though, you know, I don't have a great history with the lot characters that way, I've still checked out, like, old issues of Spider-Man or X-Men, etc., Whereas, you know, the Fantastic Four never, you know, quite grabbed me. But, you know, there was that period in our lives in which obviously everyone was getting an animated show. And they would cross over. So I remember the Fantastic Four appearing in the Spider-Man animated series. They had their own animated series. And, yeah, you would sort of, like, experience all of these characters. I remember, you know, Doctor Doom has always been a big character, whether that be in the Fantastic Four or in other properties as well. Um, so, you know, you would get uh, like your Marvel versus Capcom games on like the PlayStation One and you'd have like, you know, Doctor Doom would be one of the, you know, the, the awesome characters to play on that. And yeah, you know, it's just the aspect of them being a part of the Marvel universe. You know, they've always been there as Marvel's first family, like you said, and, and you can feel that relationship to Stan Lee, you know, you if you just look at any basic history of stanley you know the fantastic four are always there as one of his early creations so i think that you always feel a connection to the fantastic four as a fan of comic books or marvel no matter your experience with their comics or their tv shows or their movies just because you know it's kind of like any sort of like legacy character you know you can appreciate the the history that it's like superman or batman you know that there's Um, a history in those characters and they're some of the early superheroes that we got so you know I've always appreciated them and respected them from that standpoint and I've had my idea about who they are as characters but like you said it's just unfortunately I don't think any of the films have ever captured that and I don't even think it's a case of they've never You know got the story elements quite right or they've never got like the characters quite right or the look you know there's other properties in which they've like messed up the the look of the characters or the powers or something like that don't get me wrong they mess all that up as well but you know (laughs) they they never seem to have got the actual core appeal of the fantastic four you know say what you will again like i i really don't like the mark webb amazing spider-man movies But, you know, he still understood what was special about Peter Parker and about Spider-Man and his relationship with other characters. But with the Fantastic Four films, nobody seems to have ever understood what makes these characters unique and what their stories are all about. They, They just get so muddled up in, like, the military and just, like, the celebrity of their powers and, like, the the weirdness of their powers it, it's its very bizarre and like I said you know something we'll go into as we talk about the films but yeah I think it's really unfortunate and I think going forward as we'll also discuss I think that's where it's important that you take that aspect of Marvel's first family I think that needs to be core to the story and I'll go into that about how I think they should reboot them and what I think the story should be but I think that's what they need to do Um, because to me they are the original 60s you know superhero team the first superhero team if you will Um, and you know their powers are really fun i think it's unfortunate that we haven't seen any great action sequences with them again you got you know tidbits of it in some of the films Um, but i remember playing marvel ultimate alliance the you know so playstation game and you know Some of those characters were, like, the most fun to play with because, you know, you're in, like, a team of four and, and they were really creative in the way that they used them, especially, like, Sue Storm, Johnny, you know, Mr. Fantastic. They had some really, like, creative ways in which they could use their powers. So, yeah, they definitely haven't been served justice so far. And also shout out to the unsung member of the Fantastic Four. He is obviously the best... Fantastic Four member who doesn't get enough credit and I want to see him in in the MCU and that is Herbie the Robot um, from one of the (laughs) early Fantastic Four cartoons which the (laughs) Human Torch was off doing his own thing with Spider-Man etc but we don't need the Human Torch we got Herbie the Robot you know you got the thing Mr. Fantastic Invisible Woman and Herbie the Robot what better team do you need than that than this cute little uh, robot as the fourth member of the Fantastic Four so uh, you know, bring on Herbie the Robot. As well. <laughs> That's why these <laughs> films fail. They never had Herbie the Robot. If they had Herbie they the Robot... They didn't embrace if, Herbie. If, yeah, they, if they, they, they brought did. him in, the films would have succeeded.
0: I think that should be your pitch to Marvel. No? <laughs> like, just gotta bring Herbie back. That's the only way. If there's
1: nothing else you do today after to listening to this podcast, go watch just the intro. I just love it. It's just the way that it goes. Like the Fantastic Four, Mister Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Herbie the Robot. <laughs> and, like, it's, it is like so strange, it's so weird. Yeah.
0: Um. I mean, yeah. My history of Fantastic Four is maybe a bit deeper than yours. Like, um. I like, it's funny because most people, when they think of Marvel, they do think of like Spider-Man and Hulk. I would probably say those are like the, and Captain America, those are probably like the the faces of Marvel in a way. But when I was growing up, I was actually more into the weirdest stuff of Marvel, which is why the the sort of first Marvel comics I read were X-Men, uh, Doctor Strange, and Fantastic Four. And, you know, they're all sort of weird comics in a way with weird characters and weird powers. And and also, like, a lot of the villains, well, not necessarily villains, but a lot of the antagonists, the, un- the Fantastic Four fought each week um, were monsters in, in one way or another, like some form of a mutation or monsters, and they were monsters in a way. So for me, I as a kid, I always loved the fact that it was like monsters fighting monsters in a way because uh, I was grew up on monsters as well, being a big fan of, like, Godzilla and, and things like that. So that always attracted to me. And the fact that they were, you know, a family first that I I always found that great because for most superheroes, it's this solitary thing. It's like, oh, you know, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. You know, Peter Parker with great power comes great responsibility, all this stuff that they, they feel that they have to do on their own. And then these guys here where it's it, it's, still a, it's a dysfunctional family, don't get me wrong, but it's still a family and it's something you didn't see in any of the other comics uh, that Marvel were producing. So that's what really attracted me to them. Um, I did sort of phase out of them as I grew up. I started reading maybe a bit more edgier stuff. But then when we had the Fantastic Four movies, I was so excited because that was the sort of era uh, that we were... You know, we couldn't believe the era we're in as comic book fans. Wow, we're getting Spider-Man films. We're getting X-Men films. And not only that, they're good. You know, these films are pretty good. Like, you know, uh, you would have to hope that there would be a good superhero movie. And, you know, sometimes mediocre would be good enough for comic book fans. Since we had Spider-Man and the X-Men movies, we we set a bar. And then these films came along and it was like, oh, wow, okay. There's just no respect for the characters at all. There's, it's. It feels like it was made for the sake of riding on this hype train, the trend of making these superhero films. So yeah, it just fails on all cylinders for me in that case. And then you will get into like the Josh Trank reboot, but that just failed again even more in a, in a completely different direction. So it's a big shame because I think that Fantastic Four are marvel's first family there's something so unique about them something so iconic about them uh with you know skill sets and powers that i don't think we've really properly utilized in the movies and i believe they could be something incredibly special to the mcu and it's a team that people should love more and if it was i think you know a lot of the love for Fantastic Four has diminished because of the poor reception of these films, you know? They were Marvel's crowning jewel at one point. So it's it's you know, it says something that Fox, when they produced these films, they just didn't respect the character at all and tarnished the brand for a long, long time. And, you know, even now, if Marvel were to redo the Fantastic Four, and of course we know they will at some point, there's still from some people going to be that hesitation of like, oh, well, the last few were pretty awful. So like, how are you going to redeem this? And like we said, we'll talk about our thoughts there. So yeah, I love the Fantastic Four. I don't think they get enough credit. And like I said, the the films just ruin the brand for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that, like you said, that era, which they came from in terms of the film, the, you know, the term story films, it was that aspect of like, oh, well, you know, this Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi film's doing really well. Everyone just wanted to copy that. And, you know, in doing so, they kind of all messed it up because they kind of missed the point and sort of focused on like the the wrong aspects, especially the aspects that maybe they weren't as accomplished to do as directors and writers, etc., And also, you know, simply just messed up because maybe they were too too lazy about it. So yeah, I think that, you know, their execution has a lot to do with the fact that it was also Fox because, you know, I think as much as we have nostalgia and like appreciate and love a lot of the the X-Men films, you know those aren't really faithful at all either. Um and I think that they took that a lot of aspects from that over to this franchise as well which is strange because, like I said, in some ways, Spider-Man, you know, they still went with the costume and stuff. It was still quite a faithful adaptation. So, and the the Fantastic Four is probably, you know, discounting things like Galactus and big, ridiculous aliens, like you said. The actual team itself, you know, you can do that pretty, like, realistically without getting too too bizarre because um, it's not like the X-Men again where you've got, like, these goofy, you know, yellow spandex and that kind of stuff. So, um, but I think it was that aspect of just... Thinking that like oh we can reinvent these characters and we can change them up for a new generation like we have with the X Men and again it it just it just didn't work here I think that they got lucky with X Men because they still had some of the core themes and they sort of made it their own but this was just a hodgepodge of sort of trying to do the Sam Raimi thing and trying to do the the Brian Singer X Men thing and it and just didn't work.
0: You are trouble. Mm trouble is my middle name oh you're hot why thank you so are you and i'm not afraid to cry yeah, let, let's get into that let's get into the first two uh, outings uh, by fox uh disclaimer i will say yes there is a fourth fantastic four movie out there for people to check out if they want uh that was in 1994 uh under fox ownership they produced this weird movie Uh, that never saw the light of day and it was only made uh, so Fox could keep the IP of Fantastic Four under their ownership. So if you're interested in some weird 90s, (laughs) really cheaply made Fantastic Four movie, I'm sure you can find it out there somewhere. Um, But let know. The first outing, the first official adaptation came in 2005, uh, which was directed by Tim Story. Uh, and the cast as followed is we had Ion Grufford as Reed Richards, Jessica Alba as Sue Storm, Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, Michael Chinkless as Ben Grimm, and Julian McMahon as Victor Von Doom. So this film was made on a budget of $100 million and it brought in $333.5 million at the global box office. Not a disaster. Not a huge success, I'd say, either, but regardless, Fox in Fox's eyes, they said, that's good enough to make a sequel. So they went ahead and, and made the sequel, Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, Silver Surfer being voiced by Lawrence Fishburne with the cast returning, uh, and then we also have the big dust cloud Galactus <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, ready to consume Earth. So, uh, Dave, what are your overall thoughts on on these films, these pair of films? Um you know the sort of the as we just said the mid 90s going into the the late 90s uh where they just didn't seem to get a lot right in this uh but what are your overall thoughts uh
1: well i will clarify the name of the fantastic mr fantastic actor just in case any welsh uh listeners are offended is Johan gruffers (laughs) (laughs) joan okay okay that's that's my bad that's my bad (laughs) It's, it's, it's all good um He like said they've got nostalgia for me because you know I grew up with them. I didn't actually see this one in the cinemas the the first one, because I think it just you know again it was just one of those things that you sort of wanted to see never got a chance. But then I checked out on DVD, and it was at a time where you know uh, me and my family was sort of like oh you know there's this newest film, and you know I started to collect DVDs and that kind of stuff, and you know we. We got together and watched it at night and that kind of stuff. And, you know, so it's got some nice memories there. And I remember everyone I showed it to was actually like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, it was quite enjoyable. Or, you know, I was quite surprised by that. Um, but I think, you know, that that kind of speaks for itself in that, you know, it, it doesn't take any major risks. It is just a sort of, like, by the book, sort of superhero origin for the 2000s kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's very and interesting in the way that you know it doesn't have any massive you know it's not hugely cinematic it doesn't even just like the way even when i was young the way the film opens is just bizarre it just opens just on like reed and ben just stood there in front of a building like oh Victor Von Doom's made a statue of himself. Like, Let's not forget that there's a giant V there. Yeah. <laughs> and every time we we see
0: Victor, there's just Vs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't get me wrong. I'm all for, you know, self-branding and, you know, in a dedicated, you know, interior design. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just how... Uncinematic it was even like I said when i was younger they stood out to me they're like oh that was kind of just a weird way to open this film like I said you think of something like spider-man and you got like that big opening with all the credits and then you know like uh here's a story about a kid you know it's him getting on the school bus all that kind of stuff and again, that's why I was thinking re-watching this is like, wow, this film really does want to be the Spider-Man film because they even have the same scenes. They have Victor Von Doom sat there in an in a office and I was like, just say the line, just say like, um, do you know how much I sacrificed <laughs> to build this company? Like he may as well have just said, you know, the Willem Dafoe yeah. dialogue because the, the lines in that scene were, you know, it was just a play by play moment of just like oh you know the stocks are are going out Vic you've you know you failed and that was just bizarre and yeah obviously the casting was always troublesome like I said as a Welsh person you know you did appreciate that Johan Gruffydd got into this massive Hollywood production it's just again Jessica Alba you know what's going on there and you know I, I, I don't I don't think the other cast members are particularly, like, wrongly cast or anything like that. I think made majorly then it's down to, like, writing and, and the direction of the film. Um, but it's also really disappointing, but by the end of the film, that you're just like, so what was that about? It was just about them getting their powers in space, and then Victor is just pissed that that happened and wants to get revenge on Reed. And those kind of stories, I don't know why Hollywood thinks that that works because it just doesn't because everyone's like they're clapping at the end and cheering i'm like why you didn't save them from anything all he was doing was trying to fight you the sonic the hedgehog movie came out this year had the exact same problem in which like villains just have a sole purpose of just being after the one character which just means you have no stakes or no save the world aspect to your superhero film which is bizarre and then makes it so when you go into the rise of the silver surfer they're just like oh um the nypd are trying to charge us for three cop cars that we wrecked during this uh this skirmish the other day and i'm like well what was happening in this because from the first film and the beginning of this film i don't get the sense that you're crime fighters that's never been established because that second film you know it's almost like are you celebrities are you crime fighters are you scientists are you save the world type people we don't know because this, these films never tell us. So, you know, they're very problematic and they don't really have a direction or, you know, a set decision for the characters. The only thing that they do is just that they sort of, they do not the fact that Johnny is a daredevil and a playboy and, you know, is very reckless. You know, they have the, you know, Ben is kind of more like grounded and quite a sort of down to earth guy. You know, Reed is smart. That's just his personality is he smart, uh, sue is sue <laughs> i don't know what to say she gets naked is that you know a character trait apparently you know in well we'll
0: talk about that we'll yeah. talk about
1: that um yeah so there's some very bizarre decisions uh in these films and also i just uh when i said about that uh that office scene with victor also what the hell is with ben's uh fiance? What kind of realistic person is this? Oh, my God. What character is just there like, you know what? I've loved you for 10 years or however long it is, but I can't get over this. And I'm not even willing to speak to you about it. It's like you could be angry at characters, but then there's just being angry that they don't even make any sense. You know, it's like if she was even just his girlfriend that they'd gone out for a few years, I would have understood. But like you cannot legitimately buy that his fiancee who, like, is really excited that he's home and is, you know, saying, oh, you know, what's wrong, baby, and all this, would then just show up and, like, dump the ring on, like, the bridge and not even talk to him. I'm like, wow, that is another level of, like, you know... God, I hated that moment. I, did, I
0: hated that moment so much. I was just like, you're a dick. Yeah. Like, why on earth would you do that? Like, God, yeah, I have to echo everything you've said. This, this film is just so many... So many problems with this film. I think for me the biggest problem with these films is that they didn't try to make a Fantastic Four film. They tried to make a mo- a mo- a noughties movie with the Fantastic Four characters in it. You know, it just had too many tropes of the noughties in regards to that. Now, to a certain extent, I agree with you. They had the characteristics for these characters to a point. Like, yeah. Uh, Reed's the Brainiac, Uh, Johnny is a literal hothead, Uh, Sue wants a normal life, and Ben is the comic relief. You know, to a certain extent, they got that right, because that's how sort of those characters are in the comics. But it didn't feel like they were those characters. It felt like they were caricatures of those characters. It was way too cartoony. And it relied too heavily on like in jokes and all these, like I said, tropes of the of the 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 naughties. And I think all of this just came at the expense of telling a true Fantastic Four story. It just got caught up too much in the celebrity of it, you know, um, that sort of again naughties style, you know, paparazzi everywhere. It's bling bling, and I'm just like, I don't vibe with this. This is not. Yes, to a certain extent, the Fantastic Four, they've never hidden their identity. So they are celebrity superheroes. People know who they are. But they, these films, they just took it to a whole new level. It just felt like I was watching an MTV movie or something.
1: Yeah, I actually thought MTV because I just quickly, ironically, in the second film, they have E! News comes up like, oh, what's Sue still wearing? And I actually thought at that moment, this is what these films are. They are the E! News of the, you know, Fantastic Four It's if E News made a Fantastic Four film,
0: (laughs) and to top it off, even worse, like there's this scene where Johnny is snowboarding, um, and and with the music going, it's like this pop punk music of the (laughs) noughties. I'm just like, am I watching a commercial for a snowboarding like festival or something (laughs) like that? Because it literally just felt like I was watching that, and I was like, what has this got to do with what we're watching? you you can't imagine them
1: like going down the slope of the seaboard and then just being like winter wear from you know active active wear is you know like (laughs) the best way to like relax on the slopes (laughs) the
0: thing is I can just that is just so studio mentality when I watch that scene because I'm watching that and I'm imagining them in the studio cutting the film then going yeah the kids are gonna love this because this is rad you know Everybody like the kids love snowboards and snowboarding and i'm just like what is going on here this just feels like it's too celebrity it's too commercialized uh and like and like i said it's too cardoony the car- it's just too much it's too much these films for me um in the like the goofy um comic sense and i'm just like i can't do it man yeah. i struggle with these like i will, I will we'll talk about fan in sticking a bit But I will give this over the edge of that one is that there is a little bit of charm in these films. Mm. There is something there, and I think you probably relate it back to the nostalgia and where it came from. But yeah, everything else is just, it's a disaster. What's going on? And then with Sue, again, it goes back to like this paparazzi celebrity lifestyle. Jessica Alba being a huge actor in the noughties just too much over sexualization of her and there was times where it made me cringe i was like oh man is like is this really necessary like i can get behind the first scene where she's maybe to first testing out her powers but then they kept on doing it and i thought oh let's not go here and then even when it wasn't about her powers they always had her to have her in these really tight tops with her you know accentuating her breasts too much and i'm just like this is uncomfortable. And I'm like, but I guess this was what the noughties was like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And again, I think that goes into, you know, what our thoughts would be of how it should go forward. And what we would want to see the fantastic four is that again, even as a kid, I never saw them as, you know, yeah, you can say, Oh, we want to tell like the young fantastic four story. If you want to go down that road. Okay. But to me, the fantastic four are, you know, Reed has, you know, gray, Gray in sideburns for a reason because to me I always envisioned them as like you got Sue and Reader like the parents you know the mum and dad like as in they are actually forty fifty years old and then you got Johnny who's more the kid and and Ben who sort of you know could either be in the middle or you know close to to Reader yeah, but and Sue's age but you've
0: yeah, but the Ben and Johnny have sort of together have always been considered like the kids because they're always, you know, uh, in constant, you know, making fun of each other. And exactly,
1: stuff. yeah. So that's why, again, the Jessica Alba stuff never worked because you're just like, this is meant to be quite a sort of, like, respected, you know, even if they'd gone with the sort of more housewife aspects of it, which, you know, don't get me wrong, in this day and age would be, like, really cliched and and you know wrong way to approach a female character but at least that would seem at least some more respectable um and like i said i, I don't think s- some aspects of the film i don't even think some of it is nostalgia i think like you said some of it is just the charm of those type of films of that that time and i think this is a case for all of the films i think that All of them, I think there's a a good film buried in all of them and there's like potential in every single one of them. You know, I don't think that any of them, I don't think, I'm not saying that any of them could have been edited into a good film. It's just that sometimes you see certain lines or certain story points and you're like, why weren't you there? Like the first stage of scripting going, you know what, let's move that over here and let's do this, Reefs, you know, move that. And I hate it when like, especially you get like great lines and then they just ruin it with something else. And I think Fantastic Four is a good example of that because I think this does genuinely have some good comedy in it at times. You know, even though, you know, that that scene you mentioned with the snowboarding is really stupid and, you know, cliche. I do really like the line where she's like, you're on fire. And he's like, thanks, you're pretty good, too. I'm like, that is a, that is a good joke. I guess
0: I will. I will say that the best parts of this movie came from chris evans as johnny storm his comedic timing is on point in this film yeah i just felt like there was too much comedic going on
1: yeah yeah um but even i think michael you know i, I this might be you know sacrilege but i don't actually think michael chiklis as the thing is that bad actually i think obviously he is very much a comedy actor he's kind of of that snl sort of you know pool of american actors and I don't think, you know, again, this he could work in, like, a serious, like, MCU film or anything like that. But he, I, 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 he never came across as too, you know, like, there is, like, the parts, like, where he puts the shaving foam in his face. He's like, Johnny, and all that kind of stuff. But, again, if you're going with that sort of, like, campy, you know, silly, oh, you know, family hijinks, you can get away with it. Um, but I do like, as well, the scene where, like, that guy is on the bridge, and he's just like, you like, you've got problems, bud, you know, like, take take a look. And I'm like, that is, like, really true. Like, that that is a great moment. Uh, but then, you, you know, it's just the fact that the film then wants to, like, ruin all of that by then being like, oh, and let's have, like, a bird poo on him. Wouldn't that be fun? And, you know, like, it's like, oh, and this have, like, the dog in the, the fire truck, like, you know, like, put his paw over his eyes. Oh, wouldn't that be cute and fun? It's just they always ruin those moments. There's some good jokes, but they're, they're followed up by crap jokes.
0: On the character of the thing in this one. In the first one, he's hated Victor Von Doom this entire film. There's been no sense of redemption at him. But then at the end he's like, Oh, I'll help you. Just get yeah. in the machine. <laughs> and and he's like and then he's like, Yeah, Reed's an asshole. I should be your friend. Like, well, like this there was no point in the film. Like, I would have got behind it if like throughout the film Victor was like planting seeds. But it's all of a sudden, it just comes out, yeah, Reed's an asshole, I'm going to go with you, put me in the machine, like, I just, it just felt so half baked do you know what I mean? And then, oh, okay, let's talk about Doom then, because, <laughs> man, right, I will say this up top that I love the Fantastic Four, but above the Fantastic Four, I love Doctor Doom, mm. I think he is my favorite villain in the whole Marvel Universe, he's so complex, you know what I mean? And this guy has literally gone toe-to-toe with the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men. He's one of, he's like, I would say he's Thanos level in a sense. And what makes him more scary is that he's not this giant purple alien with a gauntlet of of stones. He's just a dude with his superior intellect and his technology. Mm -hmm. But here, they just made him this, again this zany over the top villain with his his powers first of all he shouldn't have powers it ruins the complexity of dr doom and what makes him so compelling is that he can go toe to toe with all these super powered people and he doesn't have those powers he it's just because of his intellect and his uh, technology that he can do it sort of like iron man in a way Um, so, but they just gave him powers and they gave, I never understood his goofy powers, the electricity and stuff like that. I just, I didn't understand. And then his motives, like there was a bit of adversary between between him and Reed, but not enough for the end of the film to go, well, I hate you all. I'm going to like destroy you all. I just, it just, it ruined it for me. And, you know, at least compared to what we get later with the fan, fan, fan Julian McMahon he's trying to have some fun with the role. I can see he is trying, but he's just given this awful material to work with and I just can't get behind it. It's just and then to bring him back in the second film, I'm like what are we doing here? Like and and it's not even different. It's the same motivations as the last film. He's like oh I want revenge because uh, yeah. So yeah, it just complete Doctor Doom above all else in this film is the biggest failure for me.
1: Yeah, and it's, again, they're trying to copy the other films. It comes across very much as like, oh, you know, in Spider-Man, Green Goblin was developing his powers alongside Spider-Man, so, you know, we need to have Doctor Doom develop powers from the accident as well, and he needs to be, like, discovering his powers at the same time as the Fantastic Four, Um, which, like I said, doesn't work because you've got, like, these very elaborate powers. You know, the idea with Spider-Man and Green Goblin is that they're supposed to be, like, two sides of a coin, and they're supposed to be, like, very you know similar in some ways um but also they try and go for the like the magneto approach as well of being like oh you know magneto's always the villain in the end like you know rise you know the silver surfer you know he he comes back and you know he he betrays them you know just like uh magneto did next to and all this kind of stuff and it's just like that doesn't work because you're not telling like the same story just telling like you said some guy who's just pissed at the fantastic four but doesn't have any like other ulterior motives which is just ridiculous and I think you can tell immediately like how bad this character is and how cliche it is that at the beginning of that Fantastic Four film, he proposes to Sue and even says, you can see it as a promotion if you want. Oh, and I'm like, wow. W- what a douche.
0: And also, why the fuck is he proposing to her when they're not even going out? Yeah. Exactly. Like Sue, is, cause Sue tells Reed, oh, w- we're not a thing. Like that's not happening. Yeah. And he's like, so... Out of no, he's like, oh, I'm going to marry you. But consider yeah. this a promotion.
1: Yeah, talk about hashtag me too. You know, he should be the face of that. Like, what an absolute dick. Uh, so, yeah, I always find that weird. I, I, I respected that they went for at least the look. And, like, I thought that the the look of the character was somewhat faithful and, and seemed a decent adaptation. Uh, in the second film, it just turns bizarre. I don't know why they, they're like, oh, yeah, and let's bring back, like, the look. But let's give him, like, this weird... I don't know, like tarpaulin <laughs> piece of leather material you found on the floor as his cloak, which is a bit weird. Um,
0: and give him a surfboard. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Let's go for a spin. <laughs> My favorite line <laughs> of that film. Um, oh, no. So, yeah, Doom is is very problematic and like i said you know with every superhero film you know it's it's something that i always think is that you know behind every good hero there needs to be a good villain and you know that they don't succeed in in doing that unfortunately so it is known by many names my people called it galactus the devourer of worlds
0: yeah so then we got the rise of the silver surfer movie uh, like I said, they earned enough at the box office to go, hey, let's make another one. So on the Rise of Silver Surfer, the budget was increased to $130 million, uh, but le- it grossed less at the box office at $301.9 million. So they spent more and earned less. And if you ask me, it was even worse than the first one for me. You know, having rewatched these, I was just like, like, I-, I think probably going into it, because the first one was poor, I had no connection to these characters going into the second one. I'm like, I don't care about these characters. But the second one was even worse because everything I hated about the first one, the celebrity aspect of it and all that, the MTV of it all, it was taken, it was on steroids in the second one, you know? Like, again, to a certain degree, they did keep it to the comics because, you know, the Reed and Sue wedding in the comics is a big event. You know, the paparazzi were were covering it. It was a huge thing, and then uh, Galactus invades and disrupts the 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 wedding, you know, or Silver Surfer, I should say, before Galactus comes a boy. Um, but then, like you said, why the hell is the news still focused on the wedding when there's an intergalactic threat going on? Like, and and like throughout the whole film, it's just the news. Oh, what's she going to be wearing? Oh, when's the date going to be postponed to? Why are we talking about postponed date when the world? <laughs> could end like yeah it just yeah it just ruined it for me the news and report then,
1: actually says but more importantly you know the thing that everyone's talking about And you're like no <laughs> go back more to importantly than you know, yeah, yeah. the
0: end of the world <laughs> yeah. like i just so yeah and then again the characters they just didn't do it for me um again too much over sexualization of jessica alba they're like oh yeah let's turn it up again even more in this one and yeah, as we mentioned, bringing back Doom, and then Silver Surfer, it just felt a bit flat for me, Silver Surfer, and then obviously we get Galactus, who is a Thanos level type villain, you know, this huge sort of almost deity, you could say, that swallows whole planets, and then he's reduced to a giant dust ball, like, it it's just falls on so many levels, uh, and uh, yeah, like, I just felt it was much worse. Well, maybe not much worse, because the first one's pretty awful. Uh, But uh, it was worse than the first one.
1: That idea that, you know, with Galactus and everything, it seemed like it was an afterthought, because weirdly, one of the special effects supervisors said that, you know, at the end of the film when silver surfer you know spoiler but you know he goes into like galactus and he sort of sacrifices himself and the energy from the board to destroy him originally that didn't happen they said they didn't shoot any of that because originally he was just going to fly off and galactus was going to go chase him and that would be it the day saved i was like what you weren't even gonna show silver surfer defeating galactus or show galactus being destroyed they were just going to have him just fly away after him i would be like that would be and they were like we realized that was like really you know anti and we didn't get to see the end of this character's journey and it was great to see that conflict i'm at like, how would you look at a script like that and go like hey guys have you noticed we haven't actually shown the villain getting defeated in this film like what a ridiculous thing to do so that i think is bizarre But like I said, the pros I will give this, I think, like you said, that this film loses a lot of the charm and what's good about the first one because, well, you know, they carry on some of the, you know, the dynamics between, you know, Johnny and Ben and that kind of stuff. But like I said, unfortunately, it just gets all swamped under the fact that, you know, they're trying to tell this bigger story and you've got Doom, Silver Surfer, The Wedding, You know, and and like you said, you get a a lot of these cliches, you know, come into it. But I do think that Doug Jones was like a fantastic silver surfer. I really think that like the silver surfer is my favorite aspect of this film. I think mainly because he's not in it very much, actually. He doesn't have many lines of dialogue. He doesn't do very much. But that's actually why I think that out of it, I'm not going, oh, they ruined silver surfer or they did him bad. Because I actually think they do a really good job with silver surfer. It's just that he doesn't get enough script or story to actually do anything of merit. Um, But I think Doug Jones, who's obviously used to playing these characters under a lot of prosthetics, you know, know, he's known for doing all of this because the way that he like moves, you know, he's, you know, collaborates a lot with Gilmero del Toro because, you know, he knows how to sort of move his body to like certain ways for like to give a cross character that way. And he does like the voice. Um, I'm not sure if it is, i think it is doug jones does the voice as well you know he sounds really epic i think you know he sounds really cool no it's he um like this.
0: It's Lawrence fishburne who does the oh voice. is it oh right that makes yeah.
1: sense yeah sometimes like yeah. doug jones flips between doing voices and um but yeah so Lawrence fishburne sounds amazing uh as that voice and yeah i think that doug jones does a, a fantastic you know job with the the physical performance so i really enjoyed all of that i thought that like they did a really good job with that and if they were going forward i'd love to see those two return again uh even if it wasn't for silver surfer if it was you know some other member of his race or his planet or something as just a nod to, to that being the one aspect that worked and like you said the budget obviously went a lot towards silver surfer because his look you know i think that he looks really cool even when he's not like the reflective metal even when he's in the so more physical suit i think that 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 still works really well they have the cool eyes and the the sort of face looks pretty good um but you know unfortunately it's just that and the stan lee cameo i think that's one of my favorite stan lee cameos as well it's just the fact he tries to get to the wedding But i'm stan lee <laughs> like, sorry so you know yeah right so like those are the only two like credits i'll give this film is that i think they do you know do a good job of silver surfer and they have a fun stanley cameo but apart from that like I said it's a problem with fan stick as well like why do we have to get like you know bogged down with all this military stuff you know like again you've got a superhero family who's supposed to be like defending the earth and they just become like lackeys of the military like what's interesting about that like it's it, it reminds me so much of the 2007 michael bay transformers of like you know oh let's get the military involved let's have all these like you know cool like you know troops come in and you know help save the day and all this kind of stuff you know just like why though you know why would this happen and you don't get any progression in character and what and like i said earlier you don't get an idea of whether they're crime fighters whether they're scientists because say civil war for example that film starts off with them doing that mission in bolivia and you get an idea of like oh this is the type of team they are now you know Scarlet witch is like learning to become a member of the team and you know falcon is now you know integrated blah 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 blah. and that's what this film could have done with they could have had done with like an action sequence to tell you right here's who the fantastic four are now but instead they're just like hey the fantastic four n- have got a new tower it's all modern and stuff and you're like okay when did this happen you know, and then at one point, like Johnny goes outside, and there's like a Fantastic Four shop, like at the bottom. It's like not even like they want to commit to that. Oh story my god! Line.
0: And let's let's not forget Johnny's um, all the advertising on the suit. Yeah, like, it's just, yeah. It's just
1: again, they were just like, hey, you know what would be a fun idea? You know what would be a fun joke? But then that's the, probably all the sponsors they had for the movie yeah the power swapping as well why it's just again as if they were like oh you know what would be fun you know it'd be a fun toy if we could have like the johnny with all the powers toy and like it just come across like as just a gimmick for that you know it does make for somewhat like a fun action scene at the end but before that you know when johnny sees the silver surfer flying away and he's like i'm gonna go after him and and miss uh, reed goes johnny no and he like flies into him i'm like why would that have happened in the first place? Even if he wasn't swapping powers, why would Johnny fly into Mr. Fantastic's, like, web of stretchiness? Like, he would just fly around him. It was, like, so such a, like, stupid, you know, plot element they put in there for no reason.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's rough. <laughs> okay, so this is a pretty good place to stop the conversation. In part two, Dave and I will dive into the 2015 movie Fan Four Stick and the future of the Fantastic Four. Thanks for listening.